tonight I'd like to dismantle fear with you guys. <clears throat> um, it's, it's Halloween, which means that there's like this ridiculous, silly reverence for things that are evil going on today, especially. And um, <clears throat> what I'd like to do is really uh, talk about Jesus, who he is, the authority that he demonstrated that he walked in, and, uh, and show you that demons are, are not any more powerful than the most baby believer, than the most newborn infant believer. Um, I want to keep the main thing, the main thing, I want to keep our focus on Jesus as we talk about uh, about the demonic. I think I was reading on uh, Yahoo News that it's like the 40th or 50th anniversary of that famous deliverance session that actually uh, spawned the movie The uh, Exorcism. Or Exorcist? Exorcist. I don't know. Exorcist. <laughs> but anyway, it happened uh, out of um, some, some the Catholic Church and um, at this giant... Catholic school, um, all these people just poured into the lecture hall. It was like the most attended lecture while they recounted um, the story of this. It was actually a young uh, boy that, that actually got delivered of demons, but it was just packed out by people wanting to, to know more about the demonic. And it was filled with Catholics, which is exciting. Um... So let's open up together to Luke 10. <clears throat> Before we get started, um, the Lord said something to me a couple months ago that he reminded me of. Um, he said that we uh, we hate the breaking, but we love the breakthrough. And we we hate the crushing, but we love the aroma of Christ. And He's hidden up the kingdom of heaven within us. See if if the enemy and all the Pharisees knew what they were doing when they were crushing our beloved Savior. They never would have done it. Because they were actually letting him out. And that kingdom that's now within you, you get the, the great honor and privilege of partnering with Christ in his suffering so that as you're crushed, the kingdom comes out of you. Unhindered. It was the Father's good will to crush the Son. It says in Isaiah 53 that he was a man acquainted with sorrows. It's Isaiah 53. Let me just read this real quick before we really start going. <clears throat> He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. 
punishment, the broadest peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. See, when, when Jesus was killed, it was just like burning down a tent that revealed a thousand pound diamond inside of it. And people saw the kingdom come out of him. And uh, it's gotten into us. Um, and one of, the, uh, one of the main signs of the, the kingdom coming is that we'll drive out demons. It's, see, we, way back in the garden, handed over the authority of the world. Like, we, we gave the steering wheel <laughs> of the world over to a usurper named Satan. He was the serpent. <clears throat> You serpent. You serper. There's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to go for it. <laughs> um, and, um, and so, it was, it was supposed to be a kingdom run by Adam and Eve and, and their descendants, but now there's, there's this guy that was put in charge that is a maniacal leader who's completely focused on himself and whose main objective is to get us to focus on him so that we can take up his image instead of the image of Christ. And so, um, signs of the coming kingdom is undoing his work, is undoing the work of the usurper, which means healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. It was actually one of the first things Jesus did um, but we're going to go to a pretty famous section of Scripture, Luke 10, if you guys are all there. This is Luke 10, 18. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Isn't that cool? What precipitated this? What, I mean, what actually was going on when Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning? Just skim back a little bit and someone shouted out. Yes, the 72. Or 70. <clears throat> so, um, Jesus saw either Satan or a principality some powerful devil over the geographic region of Israel be displaced. And again, what, what was going on while he got displaced? Kingdom. The 72 or the 70 were going out, preaching the good word, preaching the good news, laying hands on the sick, healing them, casting out demons. They were, they were pulling a, an Isaiah 61. The, kid, the Spirit of the Lord God was upon them because he's anointed them to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the broken heart and proclaim a release for those who have been held captive and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That is actually why Satan fell. And I, go, I want to go on to verse 20. Jesus says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you or the demons submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, Jesus takes our, our view higher. He's actually, I, I love this section because he's putting demons in their place. They're like cockroaches. 
He's saying, you know, it's not a spiritual gift. Casting out demons is not a spiritual gift. It's just second nature. It's new nature. You don't need to have someone impart the ability to cast out demons to you. Jesus did in the Great Commissions. He said, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. Isn't that awesome? It happens so frequently that it's on accident sometimes with believers. Okay, so Satan fell like lightning while the 70 were out ministering. Um, again, I want, I, want to, I want to talk about our focus, because there's, there's a lot of um, belief out there, and I'm not going to uh, uh, badmouth it whatsoever, but a lot of believers and Christ- camps within Christianity put a lot of focus on attacking principalities or demonic strongholds over cities. And um, what I see from Scripture is, is people going out and loving other people, displaying a better kingdom, those people getting delivered, healed, set free from addictions, And then they realize, oh, I've been holding this pole that's been supporting this demon over my city. And people just drop their their support of the demon. They break agreement with that principality. And as we spread love and open people's eyes to a better kingdom, everyone will start realizing, why have I been agreeing with that? And they break their agreement... Which means that that principality, that devil, that demon, no longer has authority to be over our city. And so it falls like lightning. Let's turn over to uh, the next chapter. Isn't Luke the physician of the group? I think that... um, he wrote the most about demonic deliverances. Um, I'm not sure if he did for like for sure, but he definitely wrote a lot about <laughs> demonic deliverances. Um, and it's because he's a physician. He loves seeing people get healed. <laughs> That's a true fact. Thank you, Bible scholar Vincent. <laughs> Okay, remember, I, I made this statement just a minute ago that the, Satan, or Lucifer, fell from heaven because he wanted the praise. He wanted to be like God, exalted, and have the glory come to him. And so, he wanted God's image, which caused him to fall and a third of the angels to follow in a great rebellion. Which means that two-thirds are on our side. Isn't that great news? <laughs> That's why we can say, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That's why I can make the statement that even the most baby believer, armed with the blood of Jesus and a working mouth, is more powerful than the most powerful demon. But, so he fell because he wanted the image of God. 
and he and he's cast down to this different realm. And then this day comes when God begins to create. And Satan eventually hears the most terrifying words he's ever heard in his life. In his place of punishment, in this place where he has been um, kicked out of heaven, his, his imprisonment, he hears these words, let us make man in our image. And he's thinking, no! How is God going to create such weak vessels out of dust and dirt, breathe life into them, and give them his image? Look at how glorious I am! See, the very thing that he wanted was given to us. That's why he hates us. He's jealous. He actually wants us to begin to agree with him so that we would take on his image because his last evil attempt at stabbing at God is to get Jesus' beloved sons and daughters, God's sons and daughters, to take on the image of the enemy. And it happens through agreement. And you'll see this in, in Luke eleven fourteen. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke. The demon was mute. It was a weak, little, twisted being. But it somehow got the ability to gain authority in this person's life. And when it gained authority in this person's life, this person took on the nature of the demon. Which means that when you're feeling anxiety, take heart. Because the demon that's been surrounding you is fearful now. When you hear in your own mind, oh, I'm such a loser. I'm, I'm good for nothing. Well, what's actually happening in the spirit realm is you're getting closer to the Lord and this demon that's been assigned to try to like slow you down is saying, oh, I'm such a loser because I can't get this Christian to slow down. And you actually begin to hear the anxiety of the demon. But it sounds like your own thoughts. So if you have, if you, have uh, you know, this undue fear of something, it's just simply the nature of a demon. Just stop agreeing with him. And you'll see him get displaced from your life. Demons of greed are greedy. They're very, very greedy. That's why people who have given in to them become greedy. We're simply taking on the nature of what we nurture. This is good news because when we take on, uh, when, we, when we nurture our relationship with Jesus and turn our eyes on Him, from glory to glory, we transform into His image. We take on His nature. See, we've been born in His image and we've been reborn in His nature and that nature is advancing forcefully and taking over every realm of our lives. A little bit further down, Jesus says, If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He's saying this is a sign 
of the coming kingdom. And I love the language that he uses. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, meaning, pink, goodbye demon. <laughs> He's not saying, if I drive out demons by the full force of the biceps of God, <laughs> then you know that the king... He's like, no, it takes a finger. Pink, <laughs> goodbye. So we should have no fear. Neither Jesus nor the apostles gave any, any indication that they feared Satan. No Christian should ever fear him. However, we are not unaware of his schemes, as it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. And there should be an acknowledgement that he has power. And if there is a word that is less respectful than respect, I would try to assign that word to how we should view Satan. We don't respect him, but we acknowledge that he has been doing evil for thousands of years, and he's been pretty good at hiding and screwing up people's lives. Therefore, we should not be unaware of his schemes. Trust in the blood of Jesus. Satan has definite schemes or traps and a vast store of dark knowledge referred to as deep things or deep secrets for his followers. That's in Ephesians 6, 2 Corinthians 2, and Revelation 2. I want to talk about some uh, terminology that's not exactly very useful. Um, Demon-possessed or... Um, versus demonized. The Greek term um, that's been translated as demon-possessed is actually more accurately translated as demonized. And a lot of our modern language to describe demonization has been completely unhelpful. Um, to debate whether a demon is on someone or around someone or in someone makes no sense because they're non-spatial beings to begin with. They're floating around us in the second heaven in our general region. I would say that a, a much more beneficial way to um, think about demonization is um, to talk about it in terms of the amount of influence or control that that demon may have over a person's mind or body. In other words, how long has this person been agreeing with this evil spirit? How much of their life have they handed over to this evil spirit? Because the more that they agree, the longer that they agree, the more authority that they give, the more that they will be controlled. There's no text in the New or Old Testament that says that Christians can't be demonized. In fact, um, in Luke 13, it, it stands to reason that... Uh, well, you can make a good case that this believer is demonized. I mean, he's sleeping with his father's wife. That's in, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 5. I also want to talk about the word manifest. We throw that term around a lot in, uh, in the Christian world. And manifest simply means to bring into the light something that was hidden. And... It, 
A, g a great way to think about it is um, like a cargo vessel has a manifesto list, which means all the, all the cargo that's hidden in the hull of this ship is going to be on the manifesto list. So when a ship, a cargo ship comes into a safe harbor, it gets delivered of all of its cargo. And the manifesto list is presented. All the stuff is manifested. And so that's why when we come into a loving community of believers, it's a safe harbor. And that's where you'll see believers manifest the most. Seriously. You, without fail, when you get into a, a family that loves you unconditionally, that puts up with your crap, sorry, puts up with your stuff, <laughs> then you, you will lose your ability to hide the rage and dirtiness that you've been agreeing with. It will just come out. You actually forget how to hide. You forget how to keep that cargo locked in the hull because you've come into a safe harbor where people are pulling it out. <clears throat> Some demonic inroads. These are things to avoid. It's pretty common sense. Um, losing control in areas of anger. Or unforgiveness is a huge uh, demonic inroad. Lust, sexual immorality, or perversion, hatred, violence, envy, jealousy, selfish ambition, occult practices, idolatry, blasphemy, drugs. I actually have no scripture to support the one for drugs. Just plenty of uh, personal and shared experience to support it. Jesus talks about being the gate. And, and anyone who comes in through any other way, meaning anyone who jumps a fence or digs a hole to get through is a thief or a robber, which means that Jesus is actually describing that there are ways to get into the heavenly realms that are illegal. Jesus is the gate. You get into the heavens through him. But people use, um, people use drugs to unlock, I don't know, whatever, and they, <laughs> and they enter into spiritual realms through some other way than Jesus. And it's a really, really, really dangerous place to be because in the second heavens is where the, the demonic is. And if you're in there not with Jesus, then you have no protector, which means you'll probably come back with some Klingons. <laughs> I can't remember who was telling that story, but they went to, uh, they're a believer and they went to Burning Man, which is like this huge uh, music and art festival, and it's super heathen, super demonic, super like Satan worship, and it's out in the desert, like Black Rock, I don't know. So this guy... He uh, he's, loves Jesus and wants to go and minister there. 
And, uh, but he, he, he realizes pretty quickly that his Christian language doesn't fly there. And so he goes around <clears throat> and begins to talk to people in, in a language that they can understand. And he goes up to this one huge tent where they're doing some kind of weird spiritual mystical thing and talking about spirit gods and all that junk. He goes in there and, and strikes up a conversation with him and says, uh, or this guy asks him, like, do you have a spirit guide? And he's like, yeah, man. The, the, the believer, he says, yeah, I've got, I've got a spirit guide. He's actually, um, he's known as the king of the spirits. I can actually introduce you to him if you want. And he's like, radical, dude. <laughs> he's the king of the spirits. <laughs> and so he begins ministering to him. With the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. King of the Spirits. He's got an alias now. <laughs> and um, and, and the, the believer says, when, when, I be, when I begin to um, call on the King of the Spirits, you'll actually feel things inside you, emotions and, and things changing within you. And as he began to pray, the guy's like, dude, you know, I totally feel it. This is awesome. <laughs> And, uh, and then the guy's like, you know what, the, uh, um, he's, he's really opening my eyes to, to let me see some of the stuff that's going on. And, and while I was just uh, talking with the king of the spirits about you, I saw all these Klingons on you. And he's like, and, and he named demonic influences in his life. And he said, Do you, I can take care of those. He's like, yeah, man, that'd be awesome. And he, he knocks these demons off, his, off this guy's life. And then afterwards, this guy, he's literally being transformed by the power of this man's love um, and, and, and Jesus in this moment. And, and then he actually breaks the news to him that he's ministering to him from Jesus. And the guy gives his life to the Lord. Isn't that cool? Klingons. <laughs> let's talk about our authority. We know that Jesus has authority, but let's talk about our authority now. See, Jesus sends us into the world just as the Father sent him. We know that from John 20, 21. To do his works and even greater works than those, we know from John 14, 12. And he gave us the authority to accomplish this. We know that from many places, but specifically the Great Commission. Whenever um, we're talking about the demonic, a lot of times this question comes up, what about the seven sons of Sceva? Not the seven sons of Stevia, but the seven sons <laughs> of Sceva. It's in Acts 19. If you want to turn there, that'd be great. Acts 19. This is verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus, over those who were demon-possessed, they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I adjure you to come out of him. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. Okay, so, the Bible does not say that these are believers. It just says that they're Jewish. 
And there's seven sons of a high priest, which means that it's very likely they are not believers. But they saw Jesus and his disciples driving out demons and thought, oh, that's cool, a new technique. Let's go try it. <laughs> so these seven sons of Sceva were doing this. Verse 15, one day an evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Which means... Don't go into a situation where you don't have authority because you're not a believer. But now that you are a believer, you have authority to trample every serpent. It will by no means hurt you. That guy, I mean, that demon really had the ability to get that guy jacked. He overpowered seven grown men. <clears throat> Every believer can cast out demons. We're seated in heavenly places above the authority in the second heavens. This is not a possibility. It is a certainty that these signs will accompany those who believe. So how do we know it's, a, it's actually a, a, a demonic presence or force in a person's life? Usually through discernment or supernatural phenomena Phenomena. Um, <laughs> um, this is not an excuse to become a demon hunter. Um, discernment is actually uh, grows with love. It says in, in Philippians chapter 1 that our discernment will grow as our love grows. Which means that Jesus is not going to entrust the secrets of someone else's heart to someone who doesn't know how to love. In fact, even the, the verses, the, the, the main chapters on the gifts are um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. But what's right in between 12 and 14? Chapter 13, public school. So love, <laughs> love is actually in between these giant chapters that are completely devoted to the gifts. And even in chapter 13, um, Paul takes us on a journey where he, he shows us that love is actually the purpose of the gifts. I call it the love burger. You got chapter 12 and chapter 14, they're the buns. But really, you want the burger in chapter 13. No one going to a nice burger joint is thinking, mm, can't wait to get my teeth on those buns. They're thinking about the juicy, delicious, fulfilling burger. <laughs> okay? Gifts are simply a love delivery system. Jesus is really good at not giving us any kind of formula for how to heal or uh, cast out demons. He seems to do it in however he feels like, a different way every time. <laughs> he didn't want to give us a manual. He wanted to give us Emmanuel. <laughs> Second time this week I used that joke. <laughs> um, <clears throat> 
so we we want to follow the Holy Spirit, but here's some here's some like basic good ideas for uh, entering into um, a deliverance time. And right now, I actually want to honor Joy and Cece. Stand up, you two! Come on! <laughs> They are over the Luke 14 uh, ministry. 14. Sorry. <laughs> Luke 418, not 14. The Luke 418, uh, which is our um, inner healing deliverance. And they're insanely good at it because they are insanely good at loving people. So um, they deliver people just sometimes hugging them. <laughs> But here's, here's uh, some tips. Um, do it in a team. Um, at, least, at least two believers, three to five, would be preferable. Um, and that's just for your own um, protection because um, people will lie. Demons will lie. <clears throat> and so like, if you get like one-on-one -on -one with someone who's demonized, then they can come out of that session and say, he molested me. They can, they can spread any kind of slander that they want. So it's just wisdom, okay? Um, it's great for um, someone to lead the session while another person records and, and other people pray. And it's very important to use the name of Jesus. Jesus' disciples cast out demons through his name. We know that for sure in Luke 10 and other places. The early church cast out demons through his name. We know that in Acts 16. And believers today cast out demons through his name. We know that from Mark 16. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. <clears throat> uh, some more tips. If a demon does not come out quickly, a person probably needs to be led through um, repentance of the demonic inroads that gives that demon legal right in their lives. Yeah. Uh, some demons will only go out by prayer and fasting. We know that from Matthew 17. It's a great mystery. I would say don't stay up all night doing a marathon deliverance. <clears throat> in most cases... The demon has been there for a long time. Once it's discovered, its days are numbered. Unless the person wants to keep it, and some people actually do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, okay, so there's this weird scripture um, which says that when a demon is cast out, it wanders through arid places seeking rest, but finds none. And then it says uh, to itself, I'll return um, to that house. And when it does, he finds the place all cleaned up and he brings seven demons more powerful than himself. And the last state of that person, I can't find the scripture, I'm just quoting it. On accident, I'm so cool. Um, <laughs> and the last state of that person is worse than the first. Okay, so that's weird. That's really weird. So a, a, a few lessons that we can get from that is that uh, don't deliver someone that doesn't want to be delivered because they're just going to get more demons. That's, that's, 
something that we can deduce. That's number one. Uh, something else is that um, the, the demon actually wanders through waterless places seeking rest. Which means that a demon's main job is to be a, like attached to someone's life where there's water. We're made up of, what, 70% water? <laughs> um, <clears throat> but if he can't find any rest, he just thinks, well, I'm just going to go back to the place I got kicked out of and see, you know, see if I can knock on the door and get back in. Finds the place cleaned out and is like, oh, I got room in here for more. And brings in seven worse demons. Um, <clears throat> I have a friend who was ministering at a conference that three... Uh, witches showed up to, um, and they, they were there to cast spells and curse the conference and try to stop the work of the Holy Spirit. And so they sat on the front row doing all their little incantations and, and whatever they do. I don't know what they do, but because um, <clears throat> the main thing is keep the main thing the main thing, which is Jesus. So <laughs> he's, he's much stronger than any little piddly thing that they can do. But they came to the conference to try to disrupt the, whole, the work of the Holy Spirit. It didn't work. At the end of the conference, uh, they were doing a, a prayer line. And, um, and there, were, there were three different ministers there. And, and, um, and the witches actually wanted to come through the prayer line. And, and so the three guys who were over the conference were laying hands on people. And, and, you know, they were getting touched by the Lord and delivered this and that and whatever. And then when the, the witches came up, Two of the ministers were like, oh, passed over him and just scooted him along. But the third guy, just I guess he didn't have as much discernment or eyes to see what was going on and laid hands on them and felt attacked and was like, whoa, what's going on here? And the two, the two other ministers started laughing. They're like, didn't you see they were witches? Why'd you touch them? And they, they came over and kicked the demon out. And um, they found out that these witches actually attended the conference to get delivered so that they could go out and get more powerful demons. Wow. wow. So have discernment. <laughs> Another tip, uh, <clears throat> never take a demonized person off somewhere alone and attempt to cast it out by yourself, especially if that person is of the opposite sex. Um, and we know that from the, that scripture that we just talked about, follow-up discipleship is essential, or the demon can come back. Oh, there's a scripture I wrote down. It's Matthew 12. Um, and in, in most cases, the, this evil spirit is not the person's main problem. It's a, it's, it's a symptom of a disease. And Jesus, Jesus didn't deal with symptoms. He dealt with diseases. He completely healed people and took away the, the right for those demonic presences to be in that person's life. That, that's why they had to go. Why is all this important, Jeremy? Well, we know from Revelation 18 that the world is going to become a, a place that is very, very fallen. Um, it's going to become a haunt for every demon, a dwelling place for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. And so I just want to make sure that we're equipped 
that we're, that we're not, that there's no fear in our hearts, that this is a very normal thing that becomes part of our life because you're going to see it happening much, much, much more as the day approaches. If there's a coming kingdom, that means that there's a coming king. Which means that every, every evil spirit that's been trying to um, assert its authority in, in the world is going to get, become increasingly terrified, panicked, and is going to attempt to do anything it can to try to hold its ground for a little bit longer. That's why, that's why I can say to you with all certainty that when you begin to feel panic in the presence of the Lord, it's a good sign. Because there's a demon of panic that's panicking. Because its days are numbered. That's why I can say that when you begin to feel anxiety in the presence of the Lord, it's a promotion. It's a good sign because that demon is feeling anxiety and its days are numbered and it's coming out.